Please turn to Revelation chapter 1. For those of you unfamiliar with the Bible, that's the very last book. If you reach the maps, you've gone too far. Revelation chapter 1. Verse 8. Jesus says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which was to come, the Almighty. The beginning from the end. Now look in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 46. And here in Isaiah chapter 46, just go to verse 9. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Here we have, and there are other verses we could look at that go along with this. God exists in a way that we cannot understand. He knows the beginning from the end. He knows what's going to happen before it happens. I don't understand that. How is that possible? Because I don't know what's going to happen until it happens. Then I can tell you what happened. However, if the Holy Spirit desires, He can tell me what's going to happen, and then I can tell you what's going to happen before it happens. But the only way that can happen is if God tells me. He exists outside of our realm. Science tells us that the universe is beyond comprehension. They talk about light years. That's the distance of time that, a light, tra- that light travels in one year. Well, it's traveling at approximately what? 186, 187,000 miles per second? Per second. Now multiply that over the course of a year. And the universe is bigger than that. Our minds can't comprehend the magnitude of the size of the universe, and God lives outside of it. God created the universe where there was no space to create it. He created it within the realm of His existence. Call it the spirit realm. He is able to interact with us from His position. In some way, somehow, He is able to look Before he created the universe, he was able to see what was going to happen. And then after he created it, he still knew. And and this is so mind-boggling. We can't even explain it. We can't even paint an image that our minds can grab. Because as he is sitting on his throne right now, he can watch the Garden of Eden incident take place just like it was happening. But then he can look ahead and see those who have remained true and faithful to Jesus before his throne after Jesus returns. He can see that. 
How? Well, he's God. That's just an easy way to answer. He's God. We still don't understand. But he's able to do that. And so he's able to declare the beginning from the end. You say, oh God, you know, um, I'm thinking about doing this over here. And he could say, well, okay. If you do that, now here's what's going to happen. Here will be the results. You say, well, hmm, I don't really like that. Um, And I think I'll do this over here. He says, well, okay. But if you do that over there, here are going to be the results. And you say, well, wait a minute. How can he do that? He's God. (laughs) In other words, you can present to him any number of scenarios. And he can tell you what will happen. But he already knows what you're going to choose. So he already knows the real ending of the decision you make. In other words, you can't fool him. You can't trick him. You can't act like you're reaching for the pepper shaker and then grab the salt shaker and he says, oh, you got me there. (laughs) No. He knows the beginning from the end. Now, we are a little over one week away from elections here in this nation. He already knows who's going to win. Every level, from president all the way down, he knows. And there are a lot of people out there who tell us that God has revealed to them who's going to win. And, and it's interesting how that, uh, well, we've had a lot of Christians have said, God has shown me and God's spoken to me, told me that you know, Donald Trump is going to win this next election. Well, personally, I hope they're right. But you know, when you say something like that, you have a 50% chance of being right. And a 50% chance of being wrong. I mean, really, the odds are pretty good on something like that. But what I find interesting is that nobody ever, at least I've never heard it, prophesy about, you know, who's going to win that Senate seat? Who's going to win that House of Representatives seat? Who's going to win this governorship? And who's going to win, you know, everybody prophesies about the president. Who, well, who's going to be the next mayor? Well, I don't know. Well, God knows. Why didn't he tell you that too? Nevertheless, a lot of people prophesy about this one's going to win, that one's going to win. And the, ones, the people that you know, miss it, I have yet to hear public apologies. I'm sorry, I miss God, I was wrong, I didn't hear him. Because the moment you do that, you know, some people, they just may not listen to you ever again. And they may not send you any more money. So you just kind of you act, this is kind of crazy, you act like the politicians at that point. Because when politicians tell lies to get elected, then after they're elected, they don't bring those lies up anymore. You ever notice that? They promise you things they know they can't deliver, and then after they're elected, because here's the thing. In general, the public is stupid. In general, the public, they'll bite at any worm that's hanging on the hook. <clears throat> and the, see, the professional politicians, they know this. They know that you're going to forget what they've said. They know you're going to ignore it. They know you're not going to hold them accountable. That's the way it's always been. But we're looking at an election, and you know every election, 
we hear things like, this is the most critical election in the history of our country. Well, it is. I mean, honestly, they keep getting more and more critical, more and more serious. And because of all the things that are happening in the world, you know, in Middle East countries, one after another, they're signing these peace pacts with Israel. And you're telling me that prophecy is not coming to pass? It, I'm telling you guys, it's happening. And I'm waiting to hear somebody call Donald Trump the Antichrist because he's brokering these peace deals with Middle East countries. Well, you know what? If you just stay in the Word and, and get your head away from all that stuff that's out there, just stay in the prayer closet, you're not going to fall for a lot of this. It doesn't matter who is in charge. These things are going to happen. However, we still have the ability to vote. And when you think about what's happening right now in this particular election, there are a lot of people who have, uh, I mean, they, they just flat out do not like Donald Trump. Well, he's arrogant and he's brash and he's this and he's that and I just don't, he's an egomaniac. And, and then they say a lot of things about him that, that really aren't true. Well, he's a racist. How do you figure that? Well, well, he hates women. How do you figure that? Well, he, he's anti-Semitic. Okay, let me get this straight. He's brokering peace deals with the nation of Israel, but he's anti-Semitic. That makes no sense whatsoever. None. But all these people, you know, folks out there, they just, they just hammer at him. I'll never vote for somebody who's arrogant and the way he talks and all that. And it's like, okay, well, you know, you're the fool. Because it depends, really, I guess it kind of depends on what you want. If you want a country where lawlessness reigns, and uh, Christianity is increasingly persecuted, then you will vote for somebody who is opposed to the standards of God's Word. Now, if you don't want that, then you vote for somebody who is in favor of God's Word. And it doesn't matter if that person's name is Donald Trump or Mickey Mouse. It doesn't matter. You vote for the, the principles and the standards. Think about this. We know the story of Moses. You know, goes to Pharaoh, let my people go. Led Israel out of bondage and so forth. Yeah, but remember, he did commit murder. Remember that? I mean, he did kill that guy and bury... You remember the story? If you, don't, if you didn't read it in the Bible, at least you saw it in the movie, right? <laughs> he killed somebody. And along with that, he had a bit of a temper. You know, God at one point said, speak to the rock to get the mountain, or get the water out for the people. He says, speak to it. He takes his, his staff and whap, whap, whap. <laughs> he beats that rock. Well, the water comes, come out, come out. Well, the water comes out, but it cost him the promised land. God said, okay, just for that, you don't go into the promised land. Moses at the time had a temper. So here's a guy that... He murdered, he's got a temper, and God still used him. But God knew he was going to be like that before he used him. Now, how many of us would use people if we knew ahead of time how they were? God knew this, but what about David? 
David considered to be one of the, the greatest, the greatest king in the history of Israel. I mean, to this day, he's still considered uh, their king, the greatest king ever, you know, the star of David. And yet, David committed adultery and was involved with conspiracy to commit murder. And God knew all that ahead of time. He knows the beginning from the end. He knew David was going to do that. But he still picked him. Does that make sense? If you knew somebody was going to be like that, would you have picked that person? Probably not. And then there's Solomon, David's son. And you know, everything starts out good. But he starts accumulating all these wives, all these concubines, a thousand women. You know, not only did he have all this incredible wisdom and all this incredible wealth, but he set the record for the number of women that you have living under the same roof. A thousand of them. My goodness. And God knew that was going to happen. And those women turned his heart toward idols. We talked about that a couple of sermons ago. How he built altars and shrines and, and there was child sacrifice. God knew this was going to happen beforehand. But he still used him. He still used him. Now, <laughs> that in mind, do you think God has been surprised at the actions of Donald Trump? And people can say what they want, but Donald Trump has stood up for God's Word and Christianity more than any other president. Ronald Reagan was pretty good. But since Ronald Reagan, nobody comes close to Donald Trump. And this is a guy that, well, people say, well, he insults people and so on and so forth. Okay, you know what? God knew this ahead of time. Now, God didn't put him in office. We, the people, voted and put him in office. We got a chance to do it again. But it's up to us as far as who we vote for. But I can tell you this, <laughs> if Donald Trump wins, then God will still work through him as much as he can. And I'll tell you right now, you're going to see an even greater increase in what you might call goodness and righteousness in this country as far as what he stands for and what he proclaims. I mean, look look who he's appointed to the Supreme Court. A woman who is born again, and the reports I get, she's spirit-filled, prays in tongues, and very conservative. Well, you know, the, the liberals, they're making all kinds of crazy threats about this. And they're, anyway, you've heard the stories. The point I'm making is, we have an opportunity when we vote to vote for what God would want to see done. The name of the candidate is irrelevant. It is the principles and the standards the candidate stands for. And not only that, but should Donald Trump be elected then the next person that's going to run for the Republicans will probably be Mike Pence. He's born again. My understanding is he is spirit-filled. Praise in tongues. Would you like to have a president like that? So what we're doing right now is 
Set the names aside, look at only the policies. What policies do you want governing the country? You know, back on um, October 4th, I had a sermon entitled Elections and the Elect. And I want to read something to you from that uh, sermon. When people determine to govern themselves without the involvement of God in His Word, the eventual result is chaos, instability, implosion, and collapse. Humans are incapable of successful self-governance absent of God and His Word. It can't happen. Because what happens is this. You know, you have the, the uh, liberals and so many of the Democrats, and, and they say, well, you should be allowed to do this, and we want to see that. So, so then my question would be, okay, where do you start with that? How did you come to that conclusion? What is the platform you're standing on that has established those policies in your mind? And what it really comes down to that they don't understand, it is the sin nature and the flesh. That's it. That, has what, that is what has led them to think, well, it's okay to do this and okay to do that, and uh, all this religious stuff that wants to restrict our freedoms, that needs to be removed. Well, no, what you want to do is just, look, as it was in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Lot, the violence, the perversions, all of this, guys, you're seeing it happen right before your eyes. It's happening. Now, we have the opportunity to make a difference. You know, um, you don't have to turn to this, you can write it down, but in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 4, uh, Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, they were bad. They were really bad. They were priests, but man, these guys, they were taking bribes, they were uh, immorality, it was terrible. Well, then they get into warfare, and uh, the Philistines invade, and so... Israelites, it's not looking good for them in the battle. But Hophni and Phinehas show up with the Ark of God. And all the people think, yeah, we've got the victory now because we've got the Ark. Well, they didn't. Um, you know, the Philistines won. <coughs> Hophni and Phinehas were both killed. And the Ark was captured. Well, Phinehas' um, wife was about to give birth. And... When she, she was told, here's what's happened. You know, your husband has died. And Eli, when he heard the news, he dropped over dead. So there she is. She's in the middle of giving birth. And she hears this news, how that her father-in-law and her husband have both died. And this baby boy is born. And she said, I'm going to name him Ichabod because it means the glory has departed. The reason she said that was because not just her father-in-law, or her husband had died, but that the ark had been taken. Well, guys, you have a lot of Christians out there who are writing Ichabod above their head because they're voting for the glory to depart from this nation. And I'm telling you right now, people who vote in, in the liberal direction, Christians who vote in the liberal direction, they are searing their conscience and they are on a path completely away from Jesus Christ and straight into a lake of fire for all eternity. God has warned, you cannot be in league with the world because if you are, you are the enemy of God. 
And so you don't make it into eternity with him. In, in Proverbs, turn, or no, not Proverbs, Psalm. Look in Psalm chapter 19. Psalm chapter 19, verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. What do you think God wants to see as far as the outcome of this election? He wants those... If we were to say, God, out of all the people who are running for office, from president all the way down to you know city council, whatever it would be, which ones would you pick to put in those offices? Which ones? And so God would say, well, this person for that, and this person for the other, and this person, these are the people I would pick. So therefore... Would it not be the right thing for those people to be elected? Because it's going to be up to us. Now, some of these folks, we can pretty well tell, yeah, God, if you compare the policies, God would take this man or this woman over this man or this woman because of their policies. Not because of their, their political party, but because of their policies. That's who he would take. Should we not be in line with him when it comes to these things. And some people might say, well, yeah, I mean, I'd like to, but I really don't know everybody he would pick. I mean, there's some um, elections that I can kind of, yeah, it's pretty obvious that he wouldn't want that person, he'd want this person to be elected. But I don't know about all the other elections. Well, I don't either. But God does. Should not our Confession, what he says here, the words of my mouth. Should not the words of our mouth line up with his will? In other words, I say, those who God would choose will be elected. Should that not be what I say? Along with that, there are Christians, it seems like, they may be yielding to fear. And what I mean is, fear over, oh, if the liberals get elected, it's going to be bad, it's going to be this, it's going to be that, it's going to be... Okay, you know what? Nobody knew that until you said it. <laughs> Seriously? We already know when, you know, the Bible says, when the righteous rule, the people rejoice, when the wicked rule, the people mourn. I mean, there it is, right there in Scripture. So it's not like you have to tell me anything I don't already know. Therefore... Why are you so worked up over this? God's already said, here's how it works. So instead of wringing your hands and, oh my, what if this one wins? And, oh my, what if that one wins? And, oh, I just can't believe. You know what? God's already told you the unrighteous are going to do unrighteous things. The wicked are going to do wicked things. We already know these things. So therefore, what we should be doing is declaring what God would want us to declare when it comes to elections. And, and you know, this is, I don't know, it seems like a shock to some Christians, but we should be confessing victory for righteousness. It doesn't matter if it's a man, a woman, a, it doesn't matter the skin color, it doesn't matter if they've got hair, they don't have hair, it doesn't matter what they wear, what they don't wear, it doesn't matter what they call themselves. You know, if, if you line up with the Word of God, guess what? You're going to get my vote. I think it would be so amazing. 
You know, right now we're looking at Donald Trump and Joe Biden running for president. Wouldn't it be incredible if tonight Joe Biden had a visitation from God and he calls upon the name of the Lord and gets saved. And then tomorrow he calls a press conference and he says, folks, I just want you to know you don't need to be voting for me. (laughs) I've been wrong. President Trump has done a wonderful job. Now, you sit there and you think, that ain't ever going to happen. Well, why not? Do you not want Joe Biden living for Jesus Christ? Do you not want him washed in the blood of Jesus? What about Kamala Harris? Same thing. Don't you want this? Jesus died for them. Sure it could happen. Can you imagine that? Something like that happens, and all the liberals out there, they'd be going bonkers. Ah, this can't be happening. This can't be happening. And the Democrat, if that were to happen, the Democrats would immediately begin trying to figure out a way to remove Joe Biden as their candidate. And if it happened to him and Kamala Harris, they'd be trying to figure out some way to remove both of them from the ticket. It's like, wait a second, their names are already on the ballots. It's kind of late to be doing that. It looks like righteousness wins no matter who gets elected. See, I believe that can happen. I truly believe that can happen. Because when you pray for people and you intercede on their behalf, God moves. And I know this. God loves Joe Biden and God loves Kamala Harris and God wants them both to know Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior. I know that. Same thing with Hillary Clinton. Same thing with Bernie Sanders. Same, pick whoever you want to pick. But, we have the ability to impact what's happening in this world. We have the ability to impact what's happening in this election. And one of the ways that we do that is by virtue of our prayers, but our confessions as well. Some people think confessions don't matter. Well, let's put it like this. I don't see it that way in Scripture. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart so you know, be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. If confession doesn't matter, then why does my confession need to be acceptable in His sight? If it doesn't matter. So apparently it does matter. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Apparently it does matter. God was talking to, um, uh, to His prophet. He says, speak to the dry bones. The prophet said, well, what do I say? God says, God told him what to say. And he repeated it. And in this vision, the dry bones came to life, became a great army. Well, you know what? God has given us scripture. This is what we're supposed to be saying. This is supposed to be our confession. Now, we're going to begin our 30 minutes of prayer right now, but we're going to lead into it with these confessions that you have. Now, as I begin to read these, I want you to read along with me. And then you keep these. Because there's a good chance we may go through these again Wednesday night or next Sunday or something like that. But hold on to these. 
And uh, you'll notice here at the top it says confessions for the nation and elections. Well, some of these confessions could be made without there being an election. And then you'll notice it says the verses used as foundations for the confessions are in bold. So there are confessions and then there are a lot of verses that were used as the foundation to formulate and create these confessions. So if you want to go back into Scripture and uh, get even more information about why the confession says what it says, then you can go ahead and do that. But let's begin and work through this. Father, I come before you on behalf of our nation. Uh, you can confess with me if you'd like. <laughs> yeah, I know, you're wearing a mask. It's like, who can hear me? <laughs> okay, let's start over again. Father, I come before you on behalf of our nation. We, your children, have sinned, committed iniquity, done wickedly, and have rebelled by departing from the fullness and standards of the truth of your word. We have not paid attention to those you have raised up who speak your truth and called us to, re to repentance. We have not held the pastors and other ministers of your word accountable for their sin and doctrinal error. We have fallen short of your desires. I personally repent for my sin and failure in all these areas. I also ask you to forgive us, your church, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hear this prayer. And choose this place to yourself for a house of sacrifice as I offer to you my own life as a living sacrifice and my praise as the sacrifice of my lips. Choose this house and sanctify it as a holy dwelling place of your presence. May your name and your heart dwell here forever. Father, as you have forgiven me all sin for Christ's sake, I choose to forgive every person their transgressions against me. Just as you loved me and gave your Son to be the sacrifice for my sins, I recognize Jesus as the sacrifice for all sins committed against me. I love those who committed those sins in the same way that you love both them and me. I ask that you do not hold them accountable for any wrong they have done unto me. Father, please move in our land. Heal our nation. May the glory of your presence be known. Lord, I present myself to you as one who is willing to make up the hedge and stand in the gap before you on behalf of our nation. I lift up our president, vice president, Congress, Supreme Court, and all who are in leadership at all levels of government from the national level to the local level. Please forgive our leaders for their sin and ungodly actions, laws, and positions that are opposed to your word. Touch their lives with your presence. May they all know Jesus in a personal way as Savior and Lord. By faith, I call them born again and filled with your Holy Spirit. I present to you my prayers, my confessions, and my praise and worship. Use it all in the way you want to bring about your will. Release your glory and anointing through me to bring about the changes you desire. Father, I lift up to you the coming elections. Please keep moving on the hearts and minds of the just and the unjust concerning those running for president and every other office for which we will vote, whether it be on a national, state, or local level. Draw our attention to those for whom we should vote. May we, see, may we all see the truth about each candidate. Move in such a fashion that all ungodly and unholy plans and motives will be fully exposed and brought to light. 
I come against a spirit of confusion that would want to cause people to vote for the wrong person. I declare the spirit of confusion bound in Jesus' name, according to the power and authority given to me by God. In Jesus' name, I speak to you, spirit of confusion, and I command that you silence your tongue. You will not have an impact on this nation and the body of Christ concerning these elections. Jesus, the government of your kingdom rests upon you. Likewise, I say that the government of this nation rests on you. May the man the Father wants as our president be filled with the wisdom of God concerning every decision he makes, including those decisions pertaining to his presidential campaign. May he operate by kingdom knowledge. Holy Spirit, please release a continual flow of anointing upon this man that will help and guide him in the election process. May the Spirit of the Lord rest upon him. I come against every principality, power, ruler of darkness, and spiritual wickedness that would present a stronghold against this man and against Congress. I speak to you and command you to be cast out now in Jesus' name. No weapon formed against this man shall prosper. I call condemned every tongue that would rise up against him in false judgment. Jesus has given to me the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever I bind on earth is bound in heaven, and whatever I loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Satan, you and all your devils are bound concerning this nation and the upcoming elections. None of your plans for stealing, killing, destroying, or interfering with the elections will succeed. I call the Father's will to be accomplished in these upcoming elections. Satan, just as Jesus saw you fall as lightning from heaven, I called you and all your devils fallen from all levels of authority, influence, and interference in the elections. The Father has given me the full revelation and understanding that Jesus has given me power over you, Satan, all your devils, and all your power. All of you spirits are subject unto me in Jesus' name. Nothing of yours shall by any means hurt the candidates in the elections. You are defeated. Jesus is highly exalted, and in Him I am highly exalted. The name of Jesus is above every name. I have inherited the right to use the power and authority in Jesus' name. I bow my life to the Lordship of Jesus. I declare that Jesus is the Lord of every part of the elections. Satan, you and all your devils must bow in submission to the name that is above you, the name of Jesus. You cannot rise above the authority of Jesus, and you cannot rise above my authority in Jesus. In Jesus, I have dominion over you. I declare that the elections are under the name and lordship of Jesus. I call your works in all of these areas over. Satan, Jesus has completely and totally defeated you and all your principalities, powers, and devils. He made an open show of you and triumphed over you for all eternity. I thank and praise God that in the Lord Jesus Christ, He has given to me that same victory. I called you and everything about you and your devils completely, totally, and thoroughly defeated in the upcoming elections. Satan, you have lost. The victory of Christ is known in the elections. Father, move upon your church and lay intercession on all those who make themselves available to you for that kind of prayer. Move upon the pastors of your churches that they would call for times of prayer over these elections. I say in Jesus' name that the righteous are in authority and that our nation rejoices. Jesus, you are Lord over this ministry. You are Lord over this region. You are Lord over this state. 
You are Lord over this nation. You are Lord over these elections. May the glory of the Lord fill this country and may revival fires burn with unprecedented intensity. I speak to you principalities assigned to our nation's capital and the elections. In the name of Jesus, you are cast down. Your rule is broken. Your mind is filled with confusion. You cannot think straight to carry out your plans. You speak against other devils, and your house is divided. It cannot stand. It has come to an end. You are thoroughly and utterly defeated. You cannot rise back up to your seat. You walk in blindness. Division has filled your camp. Our nation's capital and this election are totally and completely loosed from your hands. The seat of authority in this nation is occupied by righteousness. Again, I say, you principalities assigned to our nation's capital and the elections are cast down and defeated. O Lord God, you rule over all kingdoms in the world. In your hand there is power and might, and no one can withstand you. You are our God, and we dwell in you. You hear our cry and our prayers. We say that this nation is your land. We say it is a part of your kingdom. May this nation fear you, and all its inhabitants stand in awe of you. We stand here covered in the shadow of your hand. Your words fill our mouth, and we speak them forth to establish your will in our nation. Use your words that we speak to plant the foundations of righteousness in our nation so that you would desire to call the people of this nation your people. Judge those who run for any office as to how they stand concerning your word and holiness. We do not fear them or their threats and promises to steal this nation from your kingdom and use it to further their plans for abortion, sexual perversions and abominations, suppression of the gospel, and all other unholy plans which conflict with your word. Father, this battle is not ours, it is yours. You are with us. O God, we praise you and we worship you, for your mercy endureth forever. We praise you for the beauty of your holiness. We praise you for our salvation. We exalt you and glorify you for the victory in these elections. Lord, make your words in our mouth fire, and may the plans of the enemy be as wood, consumed and devoured by that fire. Set ambushments against all those running for office and those in the media who support them, who are opposed to your word and holy standards. They are enemies of the cross. May the fear of God fill their hearts and minds. May confusion fill their camps as it did in the camps of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. May they turn against each other. May their words return to them as their own judgment. May their words be as weapons against themselves. May they devastate each other. May their campaigns, plans, and agendas collapse at their feet. May the foolishness in their hearts come forth from their mouth in a way that will cause even the media to turn against them. May their words against truth and holiness turn into the death of their political campaigns. May they eat the fruit of their words. May they be swallowed up by the foolishness that proceeds from their lips. May they be shamed in the eyes of your church and the lost. May the abundant riches of the spoils of their defeat be transferred into the kingdom of God. We call this nation a valley of Barakah, blessed of the Lord. We rejoice with great joy at the victory of the Lord. Father, as heirs of salvation, we ask that angels be dispatched to assist these things to be done. Angels, go to your assignments as the Father directs. 
enforce the victories we have spoken this day, and drive back the forces of evil. Satan, you are defeated in the United States and in all of the upcoming elections. Jesus is Lord over the United States and the upcoming elections. Just as the Father's will is always done in heaven, the Father's will is being done in the United States and in the upcoming elections. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Bless your name, Lord. Bless your name, Lord Jesus. Glory and praise and honor unto you, Lord. We worship you. We praise you. We bless you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And you go ahead and continue to worship the Lord, continue to pray, whatever you want to do, and I'll be back in just a few minutes, and we'll close out. Praise your name, Jesus. Glory and honor to you. Praise your name, Jesus. Bless you, Lord. Father, it could be so easy for us to become extremely critical of those who are liberal and opposed to your word. Father, I'm asking that you please minister to us. Minister to us and however you do it, Father, may we have your heart of compassion for Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, for Nancy Pelosi. Father, for uh, that lady that they call um, AOC and, and all these others, Father. We, God, they need Jesus. They really do not understand what they're promoting. It's just like Jesus on the cross said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Well, Father, I ask you to forgive them, for they know not what they do. They really don't understand, because if they did, they would not be standing for these things that are opposed to your word. Father, keep moving in their lives. The ones that I've identified by name and and the others, Keep moving in their lives, Father, because I want them to be born again. I want them to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I want them to know the joy of salvation. So please keep moving in their lives. And Father, I want to thank You for tonight. Your Word has gone forth. Your will has gone forth. And it will not return void. So I thank You, Father, for the way that You've moved in this place, this day, this morning and tonight. And again, we just say your will be done in our lives, in this ministry, and in the elections. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, thank you guys for being here and being a part of this. Hold on to those confessions. Um, Again, any offerings, you know where the box is. And those of you watching, again, these confessions, they will be uploaded as a PDF document you can download. And it will be uh, right there by the MP3 of this message tonight. It will not be with the videos. You'll have to go to the MP3 teaching section. Okay, everybody have a blessed remainder of this evening, and uh, we will see you again this coming Wednesday.